as I'm going to kind of elaborate on them a little bit uh, this morning. The first, Jesus was always prepared uh, to teach, always prepared to talk to people. Uh, make time to talk to people. The, the basic conversation is a dying skill uh, in our culture, uh, and, and it's something that we have the opportunity to correct. Um, it's easy to conclude that, that, that what I mean here is Jesus always had the answers ready. I'm not saying that. I'm certain he did. But I'm not saying he always had the answers ready. What I'm trying to say here is Jesus was prepared to be interrupted uh, in his life. He made time for people to talk to them, to interact with them. Uh, and that's the, uh, the, the, one of the first kind of principles we're trying to gather through this class. Second, different approaches are needed for different people in different situations. You know, talking to people is an art and a puzzle. It, it's, it's not a science. There's not a formula of words that if you put this set of words together, they will work in every situation, every tone of voice, day or night. Um, different people... Uh, provide uh, reasons and opportunities for different approaches. And today's person, uh, the demonic man uh, in the northeast part of Galilee, is, is certainly no exception. Being rooted in God's word, uh, the third one. Great churches, great personalities, uh, they, they, they don't transform people. People may like this congregation. You, I, we may like this congregation, the, the people that are here. But that's not what it takes to transform people. The word of God and the truth that's in God's word is what transforms uh, people. Um, and then lastly, being rooted in the love and compassion for others. It's important that people see your love and your interest in them more important than your views. What do I mean by that? It, it, the, the end goal in talking to people is not for us all to agree. The end goal is what? To transform independent human being lives into lives that have a personal relationship with God. Now hopefully that means that there is some agreement uh, between us because we're trying to do the same thing. But the end goal is not, hey, let's be nice to one another. Uh, the end goal is to be pricked in our hearts and, 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 and have interactions that lead us uh, towards God uh, like Jesus did. So today we're going to talk about Mark chapter 5. We're going to first read the first 20 verses. We're going to talk a little bit about the story of the messed up man, the man who was demonic, how, how evil makes us messed up, and how Jesus uh, interacted with the one who was messed up and what we can learn from it. Uh, this story is in, in uh, Matthew chapter 8, a, a condensed version, but I want to stay in Mark chapter 5 because it's a little bit broader version. Uh, and I want to start by reading Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. So let's start there. <clears throat> they came to the other side of the sea, into the country of the garrisons. And he got out of the boat, and immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. And he had a dwelling among the tombs. And no one was able to bind him anymore, even with a chain. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been torn apart by him, and shackles had been broken into pieces, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Constantly, day and night, he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains, and gashing himself with stones. Seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up and bowed down before him, and shouting with a loud voice, he said, What business do you have with each other? 
Jesus, Son of the Most High God, I implore you by God, do not torment me. For he had been saying to him, come out of this man, you unclean spirit. He was, and he was asking him, what is your name? And he said to him, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he began to implore him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there was a large herd of swine feeding nearby on the mountain. The demons implored him, saying, send us into the swine so that we may enter them. Jesus gave them permission. And coming out, the unclean spirits entered the swine and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea. About 2,000 of them. And they were drowned in the sea. Their herdsmen ran away and reported it to the city and in the country. And the people came to see what, is, what was that had happened. They came to Jesus and observed the man who had been demon-possessed sitting down, clothed in his right mind, the very man who had, been, who had had the legion, and they became frightened. Those who had seen it described to them how it had happened to the demon-possessed man and all about the swine, and they began to implore him to leave the region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed implored him that he might accompany him. And he did not let him, and he said to him, Go home and to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. So if you're following along in, in, in the cars or, or, or online, I'm on the slide that starts uh, the story of the messed up man in, in Mark chapter 5. Um, first of all, uh, we're going to come back to this, but I kind of want to lay a scene uh, for a moment. How did we get to this point? How did we, how did we get here uh, at, the, at the country of the garrisons? Did we just wander, uh, or we want, are we making laps around the Sea of Galilee? Is that what we're doing uh, in Jesus' mission? If you look at Mark chapter 4, uh, Jesus has spent a lot of the time with crowds of Jewish people, uh, speaking in parables, and um, he, he's here, and he decides, verse 35, to go to this place. We're going to come back to that in a, in, a, in a little bit later. But Jesus makes a point. We're going to go to this part of the country on purpose. Okay? We get to the, the, the garrisons. It's the northeast corner of the Sea of Galilee. Larger population of, uh, of Gentiles. More, more Hellenistic. More, uh, more Gentile-based part, part of the region. Uh, part of the country. You know, we, we see pig farming. So it's you know, not likely a Jewish uh, country. is going to have a lot of pig farmers. But uh, we, we, this is where we are. Okay? And we come across a man uh, in verse uh, 1 through, through 5. What's, what do we know about this man uh, from the first uh, five verses or so? Somebody give me some descriptors. What, what, what's, what's going on? All right, so he's, he's demon-possessed. Okay, what else do we know about him? Okay, he's, he has some sort of superhuman Hulk-like uh, strength uh, that, that cannot be contained. We know it can't because people have tried. Who tried with things that we would have tried with if they had had them at the time. Chains and, and shackles. So he has somehow become superhuman in strength. Okay? He's by himself. Living alone where, David? In the tombs with dead people. He's alone. 
He's living in the tombs. He's by himself. He cuts himself. He beats himself. He is naked and he is, he is not ashamed. Um, yes. We're going to get back to that. Let's take a whole hold that thought. The whole class, uh, for the next 15 or 20 minutes or so, you're going to be thinking about people. I want you to think about people that you would recognize as messed up right now. Because I'm going to ask you about it later. Right now, we would consider this guy uh, messed up, a, a, a lunatic. And we would do perhaps what has been done here. He's not normal. We know he's been like, he hasn't been like this his whole life. Um, we see in the end uh, where, where people come out to see him. So everybody knew about him. And we had isolated him. And his name, what does he call himself? Verse 9. Legion. Okay? So he has an identity tied to this evil uh, that, is, that, that has struck him. Um, he's isolated uh, from, from society. Just messed up in every way. Everybody, no matter their background, recognizes this person as messed up. In verses 6 through 10, after he calls himself Legion, um, he is addressed, uh, he addresses Jesus as the Most High God. Uh, we, we see multiple times when Jesus interacts with those who are uh, demons or demon-possessed, that there is a recognition of who Jesus is beyond what the commoner would call Jesus. You know, the commoner called Jesus, is this Elijah? Is this one of the prophets? Uh, is this, uh, how can this man come from Nazareth? The demons didn't approach that uh, Jesus that way. They approached him as, uh, verse uh, 7, son of the God most high. And we see in James chapter 2, verse 19, you know, you believe there is one God, good. Even the demons believe it and they tremble. So d- the demons recognized um, who who. Who Jesus was. Uh, the, 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 the man is called Legion. What's a Legion? Yeah, this is a fighting term, right? This is a, this is a military term uh, of 6,000 soldiers. Remember, well, last time we talked about uh, Satan and the ideas of evil. One of the points we drew out was Christianity is, is a fight. And the demons are here uh, with, with a fight. Verses 15... Uh, through 17, after the demon-possessed uh, man is, 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 is ridded of those, um, the miracle of Jesus doesn't draw people to him. It pushes people away. They see what happened, they hear about it, and they come down to him in verse 17, and, and they say, we need you to leave. Uh, he's more, perhaps because he's more powerful uh, than the man who was a lunatic um, so if this man's more powerful than a lunatic, we've got to get him out of this place. We are uh, we, we asking him to um, <clears throat> to leave. Um, so this is kind of the the, the, the summary of the of the story. Uh, what we tried to do uh, the, the last uh, last few times before we start to talk about uh, some of the some of the details. The story. <clears throat> Let's look at that last question down there. What's, what's the point of the story to the original readers of the book of Mark first uh, before, we, before we dive into uh, the ideas of evil and maybe how Jesus interacted uh, here? First, what, what's, the point of, what's the point of this story, do you think, to those who are reading it for the first time, those who are reading the book of Mark? Jesus' power over unclean spirits. All right. Very simply put, uh, I think David is spot on. First... 
There is a demonic world that is real and there is danger in it. Okay? This is a rough, rough scene. Um, and um, the demons are a, are a tool of Satan. Mark's readers need to understand that. Maybe not as effective as a tool as you know, false teachers or hypocrites or the, the good life of a good person you know, that, uh, that Carrie talked about last week. But, but they are effective. Uh, and Jesus, and, and uh, Satan is trying to use them as, as tools. This is, this is real. The readers of the book of Mark uh, need to see. And then secondly, not only is it real, but Jesus is the Son of God. And one of the ways we know is what David mentioned. He has power and authority over these spirits and over this, this part of the spiritual world. Anything else? Uh, I mean, we could, we could spend a lot of time trying to understand every, every piece of this. Um, I hesitate almost to ask if there's any comments or questions about the uh, about the. Uh, um... No. 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 I, I don't. I don't think that he has. Um, yeah. Um, and I read. I read. I read. Something that made me think that. Give me just a second. I'll find it. Maybe I'm maybe I'm inferring it <clears throat> from like things like verses uh, eighteen and nineteen, where he's supposed to go back to a people and a and a, and a group that he had in his life before. Um, maybe that's the. Uh, maybe I read that in Matthew chapter eight. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 8 section, let's see. Okay. Yeah, so I think that's where I got it. Uh, Linda is, is kind of inferred that he had not always been in this condition. People had tried to help him before, and he had gotten to the point where they couldn't help him anymore, and now he's returning back to those, to those people. Good clarifying uh, comment, though. Anything else about the... About the Text itself, the, the story itself that you find uh, that you find interesting. Okay, going to the next slide for those in the car and those online. How evil makes us messed up. So, but we've talked about this a little bit. Uh, it, well, I guess not a little bit, quite extensively when we talked about how Jesus talked to Satan uh, a couple of weeks back. <clears throat> and I want to linger on it. Uh, I want to linger on it again. See how evil um, manifests it, it, itself. Uh, and how the, the, the idea of Satan needs to be real, uh, re- needs to be real to us. First, uh, the power of evil cannot be dealt with just with human reason and human resources. Now, verse uh, 3, And no one was able to bind him even, even anymore with the chain, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been torn apart by him, and the shackles broken into pieces, and no one was strong enough to, to subdue him. Those in this area had no solution uh, that they could come up with. In, their human re- in the resources of, of what they had, nothing could help this man. Um, we've talked about this before, uh, but it, it is very um, uh, e- easy for us in our society to underestimate uh, the, the power of evil. You can get rid of the devil... Um, if you're given different options. So we're given different options 
today for how to think about evil. Evil is well, it's, it's psychologically based. It's, it, it has a psychological problem because of your parents, because of your neighborhood. So we can solve it with uh, uh, counseling. Or, or we can solve it with, uh, w- with things like that. Or, or evil is uh, sociologically based. It's, it's the environment that we're in. It's the injustice of our society that we're surrounded by. So we can solve evil with social policy and, and, and education and changing the hearts and the minds of the community. Or evil is biological. This is the way that we have evolved it's part of the survival of the fittest and if people have swung it a little too far we can manifest we can manage that with with drugs or 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 alter their biological state in a different way so so we can manage the things this way and then evil is 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 taken care of um no no one could could help him uh my, my contention is if we see evil that way uh, as either psychological or just sociological or just evolutionary, that then, then we're going to have solutions that are incomplete. Uh, solutions that, that won't fulfill everything uh, that's needed. Um, if we just say, you have to just pull yourself together and, and you've got to figure it out. Or, or if, if we... We can be whatever we want to be, and if we come together as a society, we can make the world a better place. Just, just, just you and me. That, that's incomplete. It won't work. Um, it can help, but it won't work. We need a savior to help deal with, uh, to help to deal with evil. <clears throat> the, the second point uh, up there, and I'll take comments and questions after this one. The more power evil gives the more it takes away. If you think about it, he had, a, he had been given a strength, superhuman type strength. No one could bind him anymore. You know, people, people go to the gym. They drink stuff that doesn't taste good. They, they go to the doctor. They get treatment to try to build what this man just had. He had it. He had strength to break chains, break shackles. He had been given much. On the other hand, much had been taken away. Living in tombs, cutting himself, you know, isolated, um, and, and that's the way uh, evil works. Is that the devil gives, and the devil ends in slaves. Think about the last temptation of Jesus in Matthew chapter four. What was the what was the temptation provided to Jesus? What was offered to him? A whole world, the kingdoms of the world, right? That is a great gift. And what is taken from Jesus? If he, if, he, if he concedes to that temptation? His loyalty and, and sonship to the Father is replaced with loyalty to, to Satan. Good gift. Kingdoms of the world. Attractive. Ultimately, it represents what? A physical, a, a physical control of a decaying, dying, ever-changing world. That's what was offered to him. And what was what was re- replaced with? Bow down and worship me. Trade this for something that's far more important than uh, which is uh, which is spiritual allegiance uh, to the Father or to Satan. The power of evil gives, but it also but it also takes away. Um, it wants uh, control. It has control of 
of this man uh, in the land of the, of the garrisons. And we're going to get back to this point in, in a few moments, but think about this for, for a second. I mean, we, um, we're uh, not naked and living in cemeteries and, and cutting ourselves, um, but the, the, the power of evil is still trying to do the same thing to us, still trying to gain control, giving a little, giving a little uh, in areas that we like, but ultimately uh, looking for ways to, to take uh, control. It's what the, the Ten Commandments are, are mostly about, if you think about it. The first commandment is, is the root one. You shall have no other gods before me. Don't put anything else above me, even the nice things that you like, like your, your work. You know, keep the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Like your, your greed and the things that you want. Don't steal. Uh, don't covet your neighbor's possessions. Maybe the, the sexual desires to satisfy you. You know, don't commit adultery. Um, your word and your pride, you know, not bearing false witness. You know, that everything comes back to don't be controlled by these things that even, all, even though they are attractive. Because they meet and they, and they uh, disregard the first commandment. Uh, the one where it says, you have no other gods before me. Um, any, uh, any, any comments or questions about that before I ask the last question on the, on the board here? This is what evil does. And this is how evil messes people up. So, what does it take to become influenced by Satan? I put a couple of put a couple of examples uh, in uh, in uh, let's just kind of cover them briefly. John thirteen. We don't have to turn there, but that's where uh, Judas is is. We recognize that Judas is influenced, and he, his heart is set on betraying Jesus, and he's going to betray Jesus in exchange for money. Um, Acts chapter five, verses one through six. In Acts chapter 5 is when the people are gathering together their possessions. The Christian people are gathering together their possessions to share with one another. And Ananias and Sapphira come and, and do the same, almost. But what, is, what, what do they end up doing? Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. They lie. They lie in what way? Yeah, the, the amount they're giving and the amount that they're claiming to giving is, is somewhat incongruent, somewhat incomplete. And Peter says that they're being influenced. They have a manifestation of Satan in, in, in their actions in Acts chapter 5. Matthew chapter 12. I'm going to read this one. Matthew chapter 12, verse 43, uh, beginning. Jesus says, now when the unclean spirit comes out of a person, it passes through the waterless places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds it unoccupied, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings along with, with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they come in and they live there. And the last condition of that person becomes worse than the first. That is the way it will also be with the evil in this generation. It's an interesting uh, picture, I think. There's a, an unclean spirit that leaves a, a person. And this person's body, you know, this person's uh, the household, you know, the image is that this person is a, is a, is a vessel which, we can, which you can inhabit. And, and the spirit comes back and, and the vessel, the house of the person is tidy and neat and empty. It's been replaced with nothing. It's mindless. 
uh, it's, it's, it's vacant. And the unclean spirit can come in and the, worse, the, the, the condition from, from the end is worse uh, than it was in the beginning. So you can be controlled by worldly desires like greed um, or you can be empty-headed and, and cleaned up with nothing going on. Um, and, um, you know, maybe side comment here. Maybe uh, like those uh, religions of the, the Far East, where it's just about meditation and being one with yourself. And it's, it's, it's clearing your mind and it's, em- it's empty. Uh, Jesus says that's, that's the hotbed for Satan's influence. Satan um, and, and evil messes us up uh, in these ways. Oh, that's, my, uh, that's my contention here. I feel like it was good to kind of talk through that scene uh, before we uh, before we go forward, you know, we we in this in our society we have trouble uh, with with evil sometimes. I missed a I missed a quote I wanted to I wanted to say yeah. So the the, the man that I referenced last time when we talked about um, Jesus talking to Satan, uh, Andrew Del Banco, he had written a, a book a while, long time ago about the death of Satan, and this is one of his quotes: "A gulf has opened up in our culture." between the visibility of evil and the intellectual resources able for coping with it. Uh, we, 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 don't, we, we see evil as uh, it, it's some uh, monster out there. You know, like back in you know, a few decades ago, who was evil? Russia. Russia's evil. Or who's evil now? China. Right? So if we, if we label it as this monster on the outside... Um, then we, then we miss the opportunity to see the reality of how evil can help us or can manifest in us and help us to you know, remove the humanity and other people and, and have all sorts of problems and become, and become messed up. Be aware of the way that the, the culture today approaches evil um, because it is something we can just deal with with drugs or social policy or China. Uh, no, it is, it is much more... Much more real than that. Anything? I think uh, the word there is uh, complacency. Mm-hmm. Is another word that could be used for that. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Yeah, so Mitch just summarized everything I was trying to say in, in like five minutes with complacency. That's well, well said, Mitch. Well said. different uh, definition than it really is. In my Bible here, I have a a dictionary, and it gives the meaning of the word evil, that which is morally injurious. Morally what? Morally injurious. Injurious. Okay. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And and morally injurious implies it it, it can be to the individual. You know, we think, well, who's evil? Well, the... The, the racist or, or the guy who's still enslaving people or China, it's over there. Um, no, it, it can be it can be here. It can be here. Uh, well, my problems are just because of my parents or um, my social environment or, or, or things like that. Okay, maybe there are some problems there, but what's the root of, of, of those problems, you know? Um, yes, sir, David. I was just going to say, like a lot of the things we read in the Bible, this story is our story, 
Um, not that we can be physically possessed by demons today, but we can be so influenced by evil, by sin, that uh, attempts by friends and family to draw us away from that. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, you know, we're, we can't be restrained in the same way this man can't be restrained. Yep. You know, we can go down that path far enough that uh, nothing seems to affect us. And it kind of reminds me of the incident of the boy over Matthew 17 that had the demon, and, mm-hmm. and the disciples tried to cast the demon out, and they couldn't. And then <laughs> Jesus came behind them and said, you know, he rebuked them for their lack of faith. But then he ended that by saying, uh, this kind comes out, uh, does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wonder how much that is, is true of us today when we have a problem that we can't seem to get out of, we want to. Right. Maybe it's, it's prayer and it's fasting. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Let's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to respond to David for the next, like, ten minutes because uh, that David's that's spot on. So how, how, does Jesus, how does Jesus interact with the messed up? Um, so there's not a lot of commentary. There's not a lot of talking here, but let's talk about how Jesus interacted. Uh, first, <clears throat> remember what I asked you about 15, uh, 20 minutes ago? Who might we consider as messed up? Who, who do we put in this category today? Our society, 2020, in the United States. Who's messed up? You're thinking of them. I'll tell you, too, I'll tell you who I'm thinking of. So... Satanic worship, cult worship, things like that. Who else? Severe addictions. Severe addictions. Whether it's addiction to you know, alcohol, drugs, uh, some kind of sexual desire, causing the, the loss of family, the loss of work, the loss of health. Um, it, it's become something that they identify this with. Prisoners, um, those who are very lost. And you hear, you know, you know, every every good preacher from time to time talk about, you know, there, you know there's not any degrees of, of sin. But in our minds, when I say those who are very lost, yep, there's 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 a category. There's a people there, isn't there? Um, we we see some as as messed up um, and, and out of control. Um, where are we going to meet these people who are messed up? Where do we find them? On the other side. Over there. Right? On the other side of the street, the city. Um, they're located somewhere where we don't want to be. Somewhere uncomfortable is where we find them. Um, we can hear about a place and conclude, conclude, I'm not going over there because they have a lot of messed up people over there. Um, now, let's talk about, let's talk about that. No, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Or our workplaces, or our schools, or just everyday life. Yep. People are messed up. Some of them might be us. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm messed up in yeah. certain areas. I think yep. all of us, in some form or fashion, is messed up. That and to the point that we have something we need to correct in our lives. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, we, we we've got an idea of where they'd be over there. But yeah, we we may interact with them on a on a daily basis. 
You'll see somebody and they're naked and chained and, and cutting themselves and screaming. They might not be doing those physical things, but you, you see them uh, you see them the same. So first, Jesus seeks discomfort. This interaction interacting with messed up people is not comfortable. Now, now, now Jesus may not have been uncomfortable, but we know that this is an uneasy situation. You've got to see it as an uneasy situation. You've come to a non-Jewish part of the country, and, and Jesus has decided to. Remember? Acts, excuse me, Acts. John, uh, man, strike two. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Jesus decides we're going to go over uh, to this part of the country. And he goes over, and he's run up to, uh, run up to by a man who is isolated, comes out of the cemetery, naked, Covered in dried blood, screaming. This is not comfortable. Um, this is uneasy. Um, but Jesus um, is here. What makes you uncomfortable? Just, just think about it uh, for a little bit. When it comes to talking to people, again, the theme of the class, what bothers you? Which people are you uncomfortable talking to? Um, what situation are you scared to be involved in? Don't just seek the comfortable interaction with nice people who smile and have two nice-looking kids and look to have their act together. Um, don't just look to talk to the rich young rulers. Pra- practical, real application. Practical application. So we support a man whose name is Greg Whipple in Florida. Anybody know where this man preaches and teaches? It's in prisons. Okay? If you read the last, uh, his last, uh, at least the last one that I could find in my email inbox, the last interaction, he, he, he teaches and he talks with between 300, 100 and 300 men a week. You know, COVID's made it a little bit less. But who is he talking to? The people whose society, not Christians, the people whose society has defined as messed up. Um, and he has a... He talked about a situation of someone who had come out of prison and tried to get his life together and started worshiping with his family in the same building as his family, having a, pre, having a prisoner in there, a former prisoner in there. He, he, he had his life uh, started to get it put back together. He was on heavy probation. He ended up messing up again and going back into prison. And, this, and, this, and Greg um, interacts and is in this uncomfortable situation all the time and puts his family in that situation. Is that scary? Here's the first point I'm trying to make here as we kind of wrap up. Jesus sought discomfort. Um, it, was, it was there, and he didn't run away from it. Be, be aware of that. You know? We can't classify some people as, as over there. Um, why? I think we've had a couple of points about it. I'm just going to emphasize for, for, for the sake of emphasis, um, is the, the second point, we're, we're all messed up. We're all messed up. God's power can transform anyone. Anyone. Jesus doesn't say, well, this is who you are. No one is just who they are uh, when it comes to the power of the gospel. We don't have to be demon-possessed. Or, or messed up in our own, in our own um, definitions, but we have bad habits we can't break. 
We have internal struggles that we don't share because we don't know that there's a solution. We are scared of things. We have, we have phobias. And, and, and I'm not trying to knock therapy here. I'm not, I'm not trying to knock it. I think there's, there's, room, there's room in society for therapy. But folks go to therapists to try and get uh, solutions. And they talk about where things came from and, and, what, and what happens. And what happens? Uh, I'll tell you. So uh, I looked up on, uh, on a therapist website and looked at some of the top ten questions that a therapist commonly asks. And beyond the ones about your background and your family, when it comes to how we're going to deal with this, the, the solutions, here's the top two questions that get asked. What would it take to make you more content, happier, and more satisfied? If you could wave a magic wand, what positive changes would you make and happen in your life? So, so I've come to therapy, and, and, you're, and, and, and they're going to ask, well, well, what do you think we should do? You know, so it's, it's, it's incomplete. You know, if you could wave a magic wand, uh, what, would you, what would you propose we do? Now, again, I, th- I think that there's a place for therapy. I think that some people who are messed up uh, or have problems in their lives, therapy is there and, and it is useful. But it is not the solution. It can't, it's, not a, it's not a complete solution. Um, we need a savior. When you see and you classify people in your mind as messed up, we have to recognize that we're messed up too. Um, we're on the same scale. We're just a little maybe farther to the left or to the right than they are. Um, we're all on the same. We're all on the same uh, spectrum. Quickly, the, the, I'm going to get to number three and number four kind of quickly. Transformation will look. Painful. You know, if you look at um, verse uh, 6 through 8, Jesus coming from a distance. <laughs> he ran up to Jesus from a distance. Um, and he says in verse 7, I implore you by God, do not torment me. Because Jesus was trying to, to cast the demon out. Verse 8. So Jesus is saying to him, come out, of the, come out of you, unclean spirit. And it's seen as torment. This is, this is painful. Um, this isn't going to be easy. Talking and inter- interacting with someone who is messed up is, is, is going to and should be painful. If someone with a messed up life approaches you and you talk to them about Jesus and their conclusion is, well, that's interesting. We failed. We failed. The demon-possessed man doesn't come up to Jesus and say, well, that's interesting. He's saying, do, do not torment me. Um, they have to, transformation is, is going to be painful. Uh, it's going to be painful, and, and it should be. Um, there's going to be a transition, maybe setbacks, maybe therapies needed, prison sentences to fulfill. Um, but the result, but the result would be a changed, a changed heart. Verse uh, 15 Look at the result of this man's interaction with Jesus. Sitting down at the feet of Jesus, clothed, sane. How is that possible? Jesus, did you raise your hand? Okay, come on, go ahead. and bows down before Christ and all he has to say is leave 
you know, mm-hmm. his body. Yeah. And that kind of good. goes with, you know, sometimes we think, oh, they're too messed up. But mm-hmm. that shows the power of Christ. All he had to say was leave. Yeah. With all that strength. I mean, they couldn't bind him, but with all that strength, all he said was leave. Yeah. And that, for all, us, our words mm-hmm. can be enough because they're God's words. Amen. Oh, that's well said. It's well said. I mean, it kind of gets to the, the last point that I want to get to. Jesus brings peace uh, to a messed up world. No, Jesus does not come to a, to a man or to a sinner and say, Aha, now I got you because I'm God. He comes with simple words, just like he comes to the storm. What is the result of the storm in Mark chapter 4? All Jesus has to say is what? Shh. That's it. All he has to say to this, to this demon-possessed man is, you're done. Come out of this man. Um, Jesus comes to bring peace. And, and interacting with people and having them recognize that that's what Jesus comes with. You have a messed up life. Jesus is coming to spotlight how messed up it is and beat you over the head with it. No, no. Jesus is coming to bring peace to that life. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The world still has problems. I got it. Got it. Still, it's still messed up. But the one who can take a storm or a raging naked man and, 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 and heal them both with peace is, is powerful. Um, go home and tell your family what? In verse 20. I'm going to end here. He went away and began to proclaim, oh, excuse me, verse 19. Go home and tell your people and report to them how great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Don't go back to the Decapolis and tell them all the good things that you did and we fixed it because we did all these good things. No, go and say what? Look at what Jesus has done for you. Look at the mercy that's been granted to you. You know? You get a messed up life. It's easy to say, okay, let's figure out the 20 things we've got to get this person to just figure out. Um, what's step one? Step one is recognizing the person who they really need to interact with, where they can change their messed up life and bring them peace. Uh, and that's Jesus. And maybe, like, like Nate said, to close us out, maybe that person is us. Maybe that person is us. Yeah, last one. Go ahead. And he said, no, just proclaim. Yeah. So to spread the word even greater. That was a greater good than just following right. him. That's right. Moment. Right. You have a changed life, go change other lives. You know, that's, that's you're exactly right. Because Jesus, Jesus certainly didn't win the popularity contest here. Um, he, he has other business to go to, yeah. All right. Thank you very much for your, for your uh, comments this morning.